What's going on, guys? Hey. What is going on, Miss Cody? How you guys doing today? Awesome. Good. Fantastic. Your, uh, Just stoked to be here. Got your afternoon coffee? What is that? Oh, you don't know about this. How do I not know about that? What is that? Is that one this of our sponsors? This is <laughs> this is not one of our sponsors, but good segue. Let's talk about our sponsors really quick. We got O2 guys. If you haven't checked out the deal from O2, uh, make sure you do that. I'm going to scroll it um, across the bottom here. Buy three, get two free, 24 packs, plus an O2 mini fridge, Yeti Rambler. It's branded. It's got best hour of their day on it. It's got O2 on it. And I will throw the link into the chat. I'll pin it up to the top. So if you're an affiliate owner, you can check out the best hour of their day, O2 deal um, that we've got going on right now with our good buddies over at O2. Wait a second. Do you say, no, it's not from our sponsors, but that, that is from our sponsors. That this, is not from Rambler. Our, this is not from our sponsors. This That's is, not the Yeti Rambler? This is not the Yeti Rambler. Okay. What is that? This is the same thing. This, this is oh. my, own, my own special um, fellow, if you know the brand fellow. I don't. Well, they're, they're big in the coffee space. Um, mm. The fellow Carter travel mug. Wow, and I got it uh, laser etched with best hour of their day on it, just to be extra, extra. Shot with lasers, man! You are extra, Cody. I like it. <laughs> I am lasers. You just mustache this mullet. <laughs> Come on now, dude. I uh, <laughs> see this lack of hair I have everywhere. I I appreciate you in all forms. Um, should we tell everyone who we have? Yeah, let's let's talk. Yeah, about who I think, who, I think is, we should. who is this guy over here? There's another person on the screen. Well, first off, Jason's not here and Fern's not here. So it's, it's it, for, people are getting stuck with me and you, Cody. This is fantastic. I'm stoked for it. Uh, but we have uh, none other than the Dan's, Dan Hollingsworth. Uh, and if you don't know who he is, uh, he's been around for eternity. Like uh, there's never been a time where he wasn't around. Uh, literally the oldest human being I know. But we're going to let, like, we're going to dig into it a little bit. He's, like he came on to staff when I was still a fetus. Uh, and and he also came on with the amount of knowledge that I will never begin to touch. And that was like how he started this process. So why don't you why don't you tell me, Dan, uh, when you started CrossFit, what you were doing? Actually, you know what? what what's your background? And then well, when did you find CrossFit? Funny story. Funny story. The first time I ever saw Pat Barber was at my level one. <laughs> At my level one, I came back from lunch, and uh, there was this little munchkin in diapers still, I think, uh, mm -hmm. doing, doing burpees. And mm -hmm. uh, you, I think you, I don't remember who, you and Jimmy Letchford maybe did 50 burpees for time. And I remember walking in going, what the hell are these guys doing? And they're like, someone said, oh, they're doing 50 burpees for time. And I was, I was still relatively new. And I was and in, the, in the moment, I didn't recognize what the hell you were doing. I was like, you guys were moving so fast. I was like, I'm not even <laughs> sure what the hell they're doing. But I, you got the burpees done really, really quick. And I was super impressed. So that was my first time meeting Pat Barber. And that was uh, like May of 2008. And where where was, was that? One World? San where Diego. was that? San Diego. San Diego. Oh, man. Taking it back yeah. to the OG San Diego warehouse thing. If anybody yep. listening has never heard of this place, there was the... That was the original uh, CrossFit. Was it CrossFit San Diego? It was called. It was, yeah, CrossFit San Diego. And and they were like the corner of this old convention center. So it was this giant, like multiple hundred thousand square foot convention center that was empty and vacant. And they took this little, like, small corner of it. 
Um, and we used to host gigs there because it was a good big, like one of the first good big spaces. Yeah, it was um, huge. Especially Kimmy, it was the huge. gym that we were at at the time was like 700 square feet <laughs> in Oceanside. And uh, so to walk into CrossFit San Diego and see that huge space was like sort of eye-opening. But yeah, so that was 2008. Wait, so who, do you remember, was anyone else at your gig uh, yeah, that so, we would know about? So, well, Dave, Dave Castro was Flowmaster. Yeah. And uh, I'm pretty sure Tony Budding was still there, was there. For sure. Uh, yeah, Rob, yeah. Lowe, Rob Lowe taught Rob, nutrition. Rob Wolf? Rob Wolf. Oh, Rob Wolf, yeah, Rob Lowe. Rob, yeah, Rob, Rob, Lowe, the movie, Rob yeah. Lowe, the movie star, he came in and taught some nutrition. That was uh, weird. He was one was of the weird. founders. No, uh, yeah, Rob Wolf that. taught nutrition. Um, and then there were some other folks around, like C, uh, CJ. Yeah, uh, Victus was there. I remember him uh, doing the uh, the muscle up breakouts. Nice. Uh, you were there for a bit. Um, mm -hmm. Who else? I think that was about it. That was back when we had people just kip the daylights out of it to try to get a muscle up, right? Oh yeah. Oh yes. Absolutely. It it was like any way, anyhow. You throw yep. that thing up there. We're gonna make it happen. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, things have changed. In case anyone hasn't been to a level one since two thousand eight, <laughs> a little bit. We've, uh, We've adapted and overcome. So what is what is your background? Uh, and what made you get into CrossFit out of curiosity? Yeah, so I actually background. don't know the story. So um, I was a physical therapist in the Navy. Um, and so the first time I even heard the word CrossFit was when I was out on deployment on an aircraft carrier. I was, on the, I was a physical therapist on the uh, John C. Stennis. And, uh, you know, prior to, to the CrossFit thing, my thing was just endurance sports, triathlon, swim, bike, run, like all forms of swim, bike, run. Uh, and my wife and I had been doing that for a decade. And so when I was out on deployment, I was the guy that was putting in, you know, 30 to 40 miles a week on treadmill, uh, getting on a spin bike and doing that. And um, one of our nurses had just come back from uh, Bahrain or somewhere. And he said, hey, you you look pretty fit. You like to work out. Have you? Have you done CrossFit? And I was like, nah, I don't know what you're talking about. And he goes, yeah, it's just a thing online. You could just check it out. Uh, but I think you would like it. And I said, do you do it? And he goes, well, no, I tried it once. It was terrible. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll look at it. And I, I pulled it up. And so, you know, so I was a physical therapist. My undergrad was exercise science. I pulled it up. I looked at it. Honestly, I didn't understand what a lot of it was. Uh, my, I do recall my very first memory was watching uh, the original Nasty Girls video with the original music, the original Nasty Girl video. And I, I remember my first thought being, I mean, I'm sure I couldn't do what these women are doing. Like, it's impressive. But I don't know how it's going to help me swim, bike, and run. Like, they're doing some rings that I don't understand. They're throwing a barbell around. I had tried a power clean once before, like in college, but I didn't really even recognize that's what they were doing. It just was like, yeah, it doesn't make sense. It's not going to help me swim back and run. So I just blew it off. Like, well, I probably watched the video a few more times. And then I, and then I blew it right. off. Yeah. Um, so then fast forward, uh, I left that command and went down to San Diego to Camp Pendleton. And I was working with uh, Special Operations Marines. And literally... The, there it is. That's the. Do you have the original music though? That's the key. No, no, no. Because it's all copyrighted. We had to swap right, it out. I know. Yeah. But so I get down to San Diego and I'm working with these special operations Marines. And literally, like the day my boots hit the ground, all I heard was CrossFit, CrossFit, CrossFit. Hey, sir, do you know about CrossFit? Hey, I'm doing CrossFit. And I was like, oh, there's that thing again. Uh, and so I sat down and and you know, being a physical therapist, I was like, 
these knuckleheads are going to get hurt doing this stuff. So let me figure out what it is that they're doing. So when they come in saying I was doing this, I at least have some frame of reference. And so I just started digging into the website and I, I, I started reading and uh, lo and behold, it, it challenged some of my previously held notions about fitness. Uh, Specifically what? uh, Specifically when I read what is fitness, it, it sort of blew my mind. Like, Oh, I'm, I think I've been perhaps doing this wrong. Like I, I couldn't come up with an argument against anything Glassman had put in there. I was like, you right. know, cause I was in the whole world of specificity and what yeah. is fitness is like the antithesis of specificity. And, right. and when I read it, I was like, yeah, I can't really, I don't have a case to make against it. Uh, right. So that was, that was sort of the approach that I, that I came into it with. So that was, so it was like, it's like, slapped you in the face with a new paradigm, essentially. It, it and you totally were like, did. you're like, here's my vision of the world. And then yep. someone was like, try this. And it like, you couldn't poke holes in it right away. So you're like, fine, not fine, at all. I'll, I'll give it a shot. Okay. So yeah. what, so what, where'd you go from there? So, uh, so coincidentally at the time, um, our daughter was, uh, two and a half years old or for our oldest. And, uh, after our daughter was born, my wife had sort of struggled kind of getting back into the, into the swing of things. Like she just, couldn't get herself out there to swim, bike and run like she had, you know, previously. And so I knew she was looking for something. I thought I better check this thing out. I started looking around and saw that Oceanside CrossFit had a free trial, come try out the class. And so I asked my wife, I said, Hey, uh, there's this thing I've been looking into. It's right around the corner from the house. You want to go try it? And she said, sure. <laughs> Fortunately, all she said was sure. She didn't research it. She didn't look it up. Cause I'm convinced had she looked at the website or looked at things, she would have said, no way. I'm no. not doing that. Shit, right? <laughs> so yeah. I drag her over to, to Oceanside CrossFit. We do their free trial workout. And on the way home, she says, I, well, I said, what do you think of that? She goes, yeah, I think I'd like to give it a shot. And, uh, you know, as they say, the rest is history. That was, that was like November of 2007. Do you happen to remember what that trial workout was? I don't. All I remember, uh, I know there were some wall balls. There were some uh, sumo deadlift high pulls with a kettlebell, and there was some running. And then they also had GHD sit-ups, but they said they wouldn't let us do it. And that kind of pissed me off. I was like, because I thought I was pretty fit. You know, I was a triathlete. So I was like, well, that's lame. I, I want to do what everyone's doing. But at any rate, I do remember those, those three things specifically. So that's pretty amazing that they were like, they had the presence of mind, even in those early days, to be like, yeah, you can't do this GHD yeah. sit-up. Um, it's something that I've, I've, that I, I try to figure out how to communicate to people nowadays as coaches, right? Like, how do we, how do we make sure we continue to take care of people who are trying this out? Um, and how do we say no? And how do we set up that environment? Because you're a physical therapist, right? Like when you look at this from the outset, like, is there potential for injury? For sure. Like anything else, but, but what do you think is something that, that, that people can, do is or as what do you think the mindset should be as a coach with a new person who walks in the door uh how should they approach treating that person as what they are like what after your years and years of doing this now and your background in physical therapy and now being uh, an extensively well-versed crossfit coach like what is what is like what would you give to encapsulate here's the mindset you should have for a new person yeah so <laughs> 
It's interesting because I think one of the challenges with a new person, someone coming in, is that I think a lot of people come in with this preconceived notion that, oh, CrossFit, it's really freaking hard. It's going to leave you wrecked, right? And I think as the, the challenge as the, as the coach in that scenario is you kind of have to give them a little bit of that, right? But right. you just have to be careful of how much of that you give them because – and I've, seen, I've actually seen coaches now default and make the mistake going the other direction of like I'm going to really protect this person because they're new and they're deconditioned and they give them too easy of a workout mm. and the person walks out breathing a little heavy but they but it's kind of like yeah that wasn't that much harder than the 10k I ran or the the boot camp class I did down the street right and so I right. think the the real challenge is is finding that that middle ground and I think it's mm. finding movements that you can dose someone with where the the risk is fairly low you know right. and so and what, what would those movements be to you so uh, like, i mean i think one of the best ones it doesn't matter who you are the intensity is there is pushing a sled yeah right? that's interesting and i've actually no, was not expecting you to throw that one out there it's there's no, that makes there's total no sense phase of, of sled yeah, pushing all concentric all uh, concentric all so you're not going to get super sore but it doesn't matter who you are we can jack your heart rate up like i mean I've made them. I've made more people like run to the bathroom from sled pushing than <laughs> lots of other things, right? But so I think properly properly dosed, you could get some sled pushing uh, in there. Um, you know, some. I think that's the only thing you risk on sled pushing is vomiting, right? Like that's yeah. the main thing that happens is people are like, you know what? I'm gonna go vomit now. So like yeah. you just have to. Yeah, it's that weird stimulus. Uh, but I, I've never heard that like as a go to for the first session. That's that's a good one. I, so I, push, I think the row, you know, and something that's a little bit more common would be like the obviously, you know, any of the machines, the rower, uh, the a bike or a skier, you, you know, those are pretty safe. They're, again, there's no eccentric load there. So I think you can get something like that. And then you can, I think you also have to give them something that is unusual. Mm. Right. So, uh, you know, I, you guys know the old, we did, and we did this, the, the baseline workout. I was like, you big yeah, what was it? Many gyms. It was a 500 meter row, 40 air squats, 30 sit ups, 20 push ups, and 10 pull ups. Yeah. Um, and it was it was it was fairly simple and easy to to get someone brand new to do. My only, the only thing I never liked about it was there wasn't anything so unique in there. Like if you just if you could throw in I don't know a kettlebell swing or something like that. I, the, the one where we got buy-in, the movement that we got buy-in the most from that was the, was the pull-up because so many people would come in who were like, I, I can't do a pull-up. And when we could show them how we could help them establish, attain some form of a pull-up, whether it's a ring row or a banded strict pull-up or something like that, like the, the look in someone's eye when they do their first pull-up, even though they have like the world's thickest band under their feet, yeah. it's still, there's that look of like, Holy crap! Yeah. Like I had no idea I was going to come in today and and do a pull up. So yeah, uh, I think the only thing you risk on the pull up is that eccentric, right? You do, You've you got, do. Which you, is you the then, nice little network out is only ten reps, right? So right. The I've always had like a for my on ramp one, my classic. I would revert to in the first session dosing him with a burpee, uh, an, a squat, and a run, whether it be yeah. overhead squat or air squat. So I teach him a squat series, then I do burpee, squat, run. So that way, like somebody who's like used to doing burpees, who usually hasn't done them with a run or hasn't done them with some complexity in a squat. So then it was like a, 
And then it, we would do like an AMRAP version of it. So yeah. rather than do it for time. So that way someone who's a little bit more fit who comes in, you can like tweak up or down how many rounds they're getting. And it, it you can kind of dose in the same way. But I, I love everything you're just saying about the like throw a machine in there because it takes away any sort of eccentric. Same thing with a sled. Like that's a good call. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the AMRAP is the AMRAP is definitely your friend with new folks as well. Uh, you know, we yeah. taught this, uh, we're, we teach this at the at the in the CrossFit Kids course. Like when you're working with kids to do AMRAPs, because uh, you like exactly like you said, you control the amount of time that they're working. The only thing they're doing is is how much work that they do. And what I will do, some of this is by design, and some of this is just a little bit by how the way our gym is set up. Is when I'm working with newer folks, I'll actually do AMRAPs to keep the time I watch. So they can't, mm. they can't watch the clock and know what's happening. Oh, I love that. And, and yeah. I can end it early if it needs to be. Like if this person is like circling the drain, I can be like, and time. <laughs> you know, they've only done three minutes of the seven-minute AMRAP, right? But at that point, totally. they're so fogged, they don't know. So uh, those are, those uh. are, that's another little trick. I, the AMRAP's great, and I, and I just don't let them know what the time is, and I, I keep time on my own. Okay. So what? So you you mentioned some of the preconceived notions that you had being broken by that first what is what is fitness article, and then yeah. I'm sure more things continued to confront your previously held ideals. Uh, can you re- think back and reflect on anything that that kind of did that? And for sure, <laughs> these days, okay, tell me, talk to me. Well, so like I said, I was an, I was an endurance athlete, right? And I followed pretty closely the endurance, you know, paradigm of long, slow distance. I wasn't, I wasn't a super high mileage guy. I was never one of those, uh, but I always wanted to be, I always wanted to be mm-hmm. that guy that did like a hundred mile running week or whatever, but I, I just never got there. Um, <clears throat> but I definitely followed the, the general paradigm of long, slow distance, uh, you know, high carb fueling and, and specificity. Like if you want to get better in those sports, you got to swim, bike, run. And, and even then, like everyone knew, if you spent some time in the gym throwing some weights around, it would probably benefit you as a triathlete. But the conundrum was when, because I'm already spending 15 to 20 hours a week swimming, biking, running. When the hell am I going to lift weights, right? So that's kind of what I came into this, uh, into the CrossFit world with. And it was one of those things where it was like almost immediate, like a month into my training of starting CrossFit, um, I had signed. I, I was already signed up for a marathon. And I had a, a, a fairly um, fairly aggressive goal. I wanted to qualify for Boston. A friend of mine had qualified for Boston. And so, and he had, he's one of these guys that had been trying and trying and trying and was missing it. And so I told him one time, I was like, hey, if, if you qualify for Boston, I'll run a marathon and qualify for Boston. We could go in Boston together. And so he calls me, hey, I did it. I qualified for Boston. I was like, shit, all right. So I signed up for a race and... Um, I started in CrossFit a month out in that race, which, you know, again, going back to the, the old paradigm, like that's a mistake. You don't start a new style of training a month before a big event. But at any rate, my wife started, I was going to start. And, um, you know, long story short, got to that race and had the best race of my life. Like I PR'd my marathon by three and a half minutes. And the bigger, the bigger aha moment came the next day when I was walking down the stairs at home and I was like, Oh, like, okay, I'm a little sore, but I'm not, I'm not devastated. Like normally mm. if I was, you know, doing classic marathon training, I'd go out, run the marathon, feel what, however I feel. And then the next, for the next week, just be devastated. And like, you know, I can't run, I can't do anything. 
but I was like, I feel okay. Uh, so that was kind of a big aha moment. Like I can, yeah. I can do a little less volume. I can do a different style of training, have a great result and still feel like a human the next day. So yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. And then, um, then I started digging around and I found Brian McKenzie's stuff, CrossFit Endurance. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, it's totally challenged my ideas on, on training because he was, you know, low volume, high intensity, even on your, even with your run training. I was like, yeah. doesn't make a lot of sense, but I like the idea. I like the idea that I'm not going to spend as much time training. So I started playing around with that. And I was like, oh, well, this seems to be working as well. So then I go jump ahead to, I go to my level one. And again, at the time, I'm still following the, you know, the classic uh, uh, endurance athlete nutrition protocol, which is just slam as many carbs as you can, keep protein low-ish and fat even lower. And uh, so I go to my go to my level one, and Rob Wolf is teaching not Rob Lowe. Rob Wolf is teaching the uh, nutrition portion, and at that point I was like, okay. So these guys are right about the fitness thing. They seem to be right about the endurance training thing. Perhaps, maybe they're right about the <laughs> well, right. And so from that day forward, I was like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this shot. And so I. I jumped in, you know, back then everything was zone. So I jumped in with the zone and immediately saw results. I was like, I, I'm mm. a different human being. Like people would come in to work that I hadn't seen for a while. And they're like, what the hell have you been doing? Right. And yeah. so, yeah, that was, yeah. That's so, I mean, I, your story of like being uh, not a part of this community uh, in fact, being almost against part of this community <laughs> and then hearing something that you're like, fine, I'll give it a shot. Like that one to me is a very common thing amongst the people who I've met who were early adopters of what this was, is it was like, I don't agree with you, but I'm willing to take a look. And that yeah. I think that that mentality persists within our own community of people who are like, I don't necessarily agree or I don't, I don't know. That doesn't sound right to me, but I'm going to take a closer look. Like that mentality is actually relatively unique because I think a lot of people see something that's like different and they're like, nah, you know, <laughs> it's different. So I'm not going to pay attention, but there's a lot of those within our community who are like willing to take on new things. What do you, what do you think that is? Why do you think that the, that it either CrossFit has drawn that like, or do you think it's like uh it's been like, people who found CrossFit, the reason they found CrossFit was because of that? Or was it more like this nature of training that we have causes us to be a little bit more open to being like, I don't know, maybe let me give it a shot. <laughs> well, yeah, I, you know, I guess, I mean, certainly there has to be some sort of selection bias, right? We see, we see people in our community that are willing to uh, challenge even their own norms because that's sort of what CrossFit has always been about, like challenging the norms. And so the people who stick around are only those people who are willing to accept that that ideal, right? And so the people who are unwilling to accept that wash out pretty quickly. Uh, and I've seen that in our gym many times, you know, where it's almost always guys uh, <laughs> come in with a bit of ego and uh, they get shown up pretty quickly. Like you can tell it initially, they're a little like, you know, why do we have to do this? Like, you know, teach them an overhead squat or whatever. And they're like, it doesn't make sense. And as soon as they get challenged, they're out the door. So I think there's some, you know, selection bias for sure. Like we're, we've surrounded ourselves with folks who are willing to do that. Now, why myself and, and you and others are 
are willing to do that when when others aren't uh, I don't I don't really know I, I, I can't really I can't really put my finger on that um, yeah. but you know and I've definitely seen some folks come in who were who were resistant uh, I can I think about in our affiliate I've seen folks who've come in who are resistant and and I assumed would would wash out pretty quickly and I don't know if it's just that they see other folks who who have had great results or maybe they know someone, you know, a family member, coworker, friend who's like, you know, just stick with it. And and then next you just start to see, you know, this, you start to chip away at at that shield that they have around themselves. And 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 totally, you know, it's it's just what they experience. You know, like I think yeah. that that's the. Like back in the original days, it makes sense that a lot of the early adopters were like that because it was counterculture and people who were willing to be counterculture went and did it. You know, nowadays uh, it's so much more mainstream. You get you get more people who are like, I don't think that's cool, but I'm going to try it anyway, just because so many people are doing it, willing to give it a shot. But I think that even puts a larger weight on all our shoulders as coaches. We have a bigger responsibility to convince, for lack of a better word, people why this is amazing, which means to me that we need to be far more uh, educated and understanding and able to validate someone's perspective, but then be like, that's, that's correct. But it's also very wrong. You know, (laughs) like, like, I totally hear what you're saying, but let me show you why you're wrong and do it in such a way that they're like, holy shit, I am wrong. That's great. Let me come in and, and do your gym. Because I think for me, those type of people are my favorite now. Because if yeah. you can get one of those people who's stubborn and bought into something else, bought into this, they become the biggest advocates for it because they're like, I was anti and now I'm pro. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, for sure. Yeah, um, you know, and how you approach them is 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 critical, right? And I, I yeah, I know in the early days, uh, even like when we started Oceanside, it was sort of like, yeah, this is how we do it. If you don't like it, piss off. There's totally another gym down the street that you can go to, and you know, and I I would say even like if you look at what's happened at, at the, at the level one courses and like with CrossFit training and how refined that has been, you know, back 2008, 2009, it was sort of the wild west. And, Dude. you know, you could pretty much say anything you wanted to anyone. Uh, yep. And now it's, it's a way more refined message. And we understand that like the early adopters, they're, they're in already. And so yeah. we can't talk to the new folks who are coming in, you know, sort of like, what is this thing? I'm, I'm interested, but I'm a little scared of it. We can't talk to them the same way we talk to the folks who are just like, I don't give a shit what it is. Give it to me. You know, Uh, those days are long gone. And so that's how we approach folks in the gym now. Like, you know, it has to be a slightly softer approach, you know, kind of of more welcoming, like, Hey, let me, let me, let me hear where you're coming from and explain how we can help you get to where you need to be uh, as opposed to the way it was, you know, 15 years ago. Well, but what I, I love what you said, it's a softer approach with how you talk about it, but it's not a softer approach with what the program is. And I think that right. that's where I see some gyms kind of missing the mark is they'll be like, we're going to make this entry level program that's like super wanker on the side, you know, just to appeal to a mass audience. And it right. like completely goes against the ideals of what we believe in. And then they get people in the door and they're like, we assume that we can take them from this and transform this. It's like a 30 minute sweat class. And it's like, well you're kind of undermining your own value structure by not providing context for where that sits in the larger grand scheme of things. You can, you can build a community around the same general program 
in the language that the coaches use being softer and in the program being hard AF, you know, right. <laughs> like yeah. relative to someone's level. So I, I think that that's one thing that I see occasionally happen nowadays where people try to make CrossFit light and you're like, eh, I don't know if you're doing the right thing, you know, like, yeah. so that's, that's a conversation to be had. Well, you know, and I almost think that it's, it's unfair. It's a disservice to the new person because then, then when they do, you know, move up to actual CrossFit, then it feels like a bait and switch, right? You're like, oh, you lured me in with this like easy thing. And then you just club me over the head with this, with this hard <laughs> thing, right? Like, but you still have right. to find, there's still a balance there. Like you can't bring sure. someone in and just club them over the head, right? So it's the challenge. And I don't think there's, there's not a simple answer of like, do this exercise or do this workout. And that'll, that'll be a great entry point for every single one of your new athletes. It's, it really is reading the room, hearing, you know, where, what their background is and where they come from. And then watching them move for a few minutes and being willing to like dial things up or dial things down on the fly. Yeah. 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 I got a, I I got a question. Um, you know, I, I train a couple of people personally and, um, some of the, the places that they train at, they use the level method. Are you guys familiar with that? I'm loosely familiar. It, you know, it's, it's kind of similar to what you guys are talking about uh, with having like a preset. You're going to start over here at whatever level yellow, which is like baby CrossFit. And Mm -hmm. only when you reach certain metrics, do you get to graduate to, you know, blue and then red and then, brown and then black and then whatever right yeah. um do you think that that's a that's a to the athlete's detriment or is it just a is it just a way to pacify a problem for coaches who maybe have issues scaling people on the fly and it's like hey we're just going to give you this set program it's like people are going to come in they're already going to know what level they're at you you basically as a coach have to do no thinking and you just got to herd cattle get people through this this class and make sure they don't hurt themselves. So here's what I'll tell. <laughs> My wife and I have dis- uh, have debated and discussed this idea of some sort of leveling of classes, you know, long before there was a program specifically called level method. That's been sort of a long standing debate that we've had. And one of the reasons that we never really implemented it, while there are some elements of that, that I, that I understand and appreciate and like, what I know is that you're going to be hard pressed to find anyone who specifically fits within a level, right? You're going to have someone who squats like crap. So they have to be in this level, but actually they can do pushups and ring dips. So now they're, but that's in this level. And so what do you do with those people that have multiple skills across a bunch of different levels? They don't actually fit into one specific category. You're basically, to me, it's just, it's just learning how to, it's, it's learning how to scale better. Right. So it's like yeah. someone comes into a, into a CrossFit class and they're like, Hey, I can do ring dips, but I can't do this other thing. And that level is something else. Like they want to be able to do the most challenging things that they can do. And that doesn't always fit into a specific level. And so I think as a coach, it's better to understand that like, okay, I'm going to scale this movement. These are the different scaling options I have for this movement. These are the different scaling options I have this for, the, for this movement. Those are the different scaling options I have for this movement. This athlete's going to do this, this, and this. That athlete's going to do this, this, and this, right? And so that's my only cha- – that's one of my biggest challenges with those types of programs is that it puts everyone into a box that they don't necessarily fit into. Yeah. 
The level method is pretty intense. Um, I, I, I'm obviously biased. I, uh, not intense, like power output, but like intense, like, uh, the, there's a lot involved in it. And, uh, the guys who made it really went out of their way to make a very big, you know, level sheet. And I'm biased because I, I run an affiliate program. So I, when they came out, I, I was like, huh? And like, I kind of examined what it was pretty closely. And like, I like, I mean, I like the idea behind it. Just like you said, Dan, it's like the, uh, the idea of almost making a belt system. Um, yeah. That's like a quarter of their list. The, the, the list is enormous and it's, yeah. it's, it's, and it, it goes out another like 50 different levels to the right of this. Like this is just white, yellow, orange, blue. There's also red, pink, magenta, green. Like it, it goes, Unless they changed it recently, but it's no, it's this is basically like just for Fran, right? Like this is the different all the different pieces of what they would do for twenty one fifteen nine thrushers and pull ups, right? And and much like Dan said, like people don't really fall into these categories specifically, but you could also make the argument that a coach should be able to then navigate that and be like be able to kind of manipulate those pieces. I think the thing that it brought to certain gyms was a sense of comfort for lower level coaches. Coaches who were less experienced, who are like, okay, you fall into a category, sit here, whoo, you know, like, <laughs> which, which I, I can understand for a, a, a gym that's uh, dealing with a lot of lower level coaches. Um, and, but I think that it kills a lot of the individualized nature of um, how you interact with a person. So that relationship should be what you know there rather than them going to the chart to check it they should be in the day checking it off of you uh, and you should develop your ability to scale not based off of a chart but based off of the individuals that are in front of and the movements that you have to do um the thing that it did add that was kind of cool was it kind of like a belt system it was like every time you level up you get your little sheet and it's like good job and, but the thing that like you think about that long term though. It's like if a member's there for like four or five years, there's a there's a time where they're not improving, like where they're not like whoops. So like they're now not getting this piece. In addition to that, it becomes kind of trivial. It's like well, you did more push-ups. Here's a piece of paper. It's like the, they that that should be inherent to some degree. Is like we should be celebrating that as coaches. We should know those things as coaches. But if you want these members there for 10 years, it almost seems like you're shooting yourself in the foot by offering them them little slips of paper every you know, time you try this little test here. Um, it also kind of pigeonholes you into doing a program that's specific to what they do uh, because you've got a lot of different things happening within the class, which can get funky. That being said, I, I know gyms that thrive using it. And so that's great. There's more than one way to skin this cat. And uh, if, if, if that suits someone as a gym owner's mentality, meh, get after it, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't disagree with that. I, 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 I like, I like the idea that it gives someone some perspective on where they are in the, uh, you know, in the progression of a, as a CrossFit athlete, right? You can look at that and kind of, it's sort of like the old school, like, you know, just even like looking at percentages for squats and deadlifts and, you know, there's the old power, the percentage tables. You can look at that and see like an advanced lifter should be able to do X amount of body weight and the, you know, beginner should be able to do that. So it gives you some idea of where you are on that scale. Mm -hmm. And it, and you can do that across a variety of movements. So I, I definitely appreciate that. I don't think it's like, I don't, I wasn't trying to be like, it's a terrible idea. I just think there <laughs> are some, some challenges with it. Um, and again, and, and, you know, I think kind of what you were saying, Pat, like what I don't want to see someone do is like to live and die by the chart. Right. Yeah. Like 
nope, chart says this, you have to do that, right? There has to be some creativity. And then the other thing, and again, that that the chart that you just put up, Cody, looked a little bit more robust than the one that I had seen. It was years ago, the last time I saw a, a level method chart. Uh, and it looks like there's levels within levels. And so what I want to make sure is that people are getting different options. Like, you know, you know, my, my question often is, you know, we're doing pull-ups today. Hey, Dan, what should I do for my pull-up today? I'm going to come back with a question of what did you do last time? Yeah. Let's do something different. Oh, you did yeah. ring rows last time. Cool. Let's get a band today. You did, you know, whatever it is because, and, and that's my, that's my concern with charts. Like, Oh, the chart says you're orange. So you have to do this. Like, but I do that every single time. It's going to be hard to make it to the next level if you do the same thing over and over and over again. So, right. Yeah. I second that notion. Um, let, let's, uh, let's pivot just real quick uh, and talk about CrossFit health um, sure. and state of that and what's going on with it, your involvement, what's going on there. And yeah, talk to me, CrossFit health. <laughs> I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm not the person to speak on the state of CrossFit health. I would, I would refer <laughs> you to someone like uh, a Mike G or even my wife, Amy, uh, to speak to that. Uh, my involvement, uh, I, I'm, ex I'm, ex I'm exceptionally excited about the idea of CrossFit health. Uh, and, you know, the whole, the, the primary premise here is to bridge the gap between CrossFit or, or fitness and health. Uh, and, and my involvement in that has been to uh, teach at the, the, the HCPL ones, the, the healthcare provider level ones that we started uh, toward the end of last year. And so what CrossFit is providing now is a, is a level one course that is specific to healthcare providers. Uh, and it's, it's pretty broad in its scope as far as who they're considering as healthcare providers. Like, you know, it's, it's, of course, we have a lot of physicians and, and um, physical therapists and nurses, but we also have firefighters, we have athletic trainers, we've had like army medics come in, massage therapists. So it's anyone in a, in a healthcare related field can come in and attend a level one where you're with your peer group. Uh, and it's been it's been really cool. Like the material is the same. The content hasn't changed. But, you know, some of the, the level of questioning that we get and the level of like the reason people are there is to learn the level one content, but also to connect with other healthcare providers and find out how are they talking to their patients? How are they talking to their members and how are they how are they bridging this gap? Uh, and it's been it's been a really cool thing to see uh at, the, at these at these seminars yeah i mean, I, 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 do you, is that mainly what you're teaching right now is those seminars no not mainly i've, I've taught okay. uh, a handful of those um and and they're we're ex, they're expanding like we've had they've just done the first two international ones they did one in brazil and mm -hmm. one in um in europe somewhere i can't remember exactly where in europe uh but the plan is to try to do some more uh international gigs uh, and, awesome. uh, and to bring some more into the, into the U S here. So awesome. Do you, I think the, the more people we can get like that, the better within our community, hence the reason that we're doing them. Uh, uh, it's we're it's amazing. Like, um, the, <laughs> the Saturday social, I don't know about what you've experienced, Pat, but in my experience, post COVID, the Saturday social is not a thing. Like people get out of there pretty much as quick as they can. Uh, and at these healthcare provider level ones, like 
you know, we finished the seminar at five and at six 30, they're still hanging out chit chatting. And, and we're kind of like, <laughs> I don't need to get out of here, you know, but I mean, they're just, they, they just want to connect with each other and they want to, they want to talk. And we've, and the cool thing about these healthcare provider level ones is that we're getting people like coming up to Tacoma from Tacoma, Washington, from like Miami, like people are willing to travel long distances again uh, to see, to attend these seminars and, and connect with other people. And it's been awesome. Hmm. Do you find that the attendees of this are already bought into CrossFit or, or are these people that maybe are on the fence and, or maybe a friend is, you know, is bought in and they're like, Hey, you know, I want to bring, I want to bring my other doctor friends along with me. Um, yeah. You know, you know, I would say you know, as of right now, 90 to 95% of them are tried and true CrossFitters. They're people that have been doing it for a while. Uh, and either they see this as like, Hey, this is a cool opportunity for me to, Go, go to a level one and get my CEUs continuing medical education credits right. at the same time. Right. So it works well that way. Uh, but we do, uh, we have had some folks who are like, yeah, this is my first experience, my first exposure. I've just, I've had friends that do it. I have big folks that talk about it. So I wanted to check it out. Um, so yeah, right now it's mostly, um, mostly folks who are, who are already within the community. Uh, and the goal is that with them learning more and being able to, you know, I'll say this, I know lots of folks that are in the community, but still don't understand CrossFit, right? You talk to a, a, a healthcare provider and you start talking to them about CrossFit and you can tell that like, you can, you can look at them, you can watch them do pull-ups and thrusters and know that they're CrossFitters. But when you hear them talk about the program and the philosophy and who's appropriate for it, you're like, yeah, you're not quite there yet. Yeah. Right. And so this, this course I think is helping take some of those folks and give them a much deeper level understanding of the program and how, how actually scientific it is and how science-based it is and how smart and well thought out it is. And then they can start to disseminate that to some of the other folks in their community who are probably doubters, probably haters, probably talking people off of trying, trying this program. And so that's, that's been really cool is to see people start to realize like, Oh shit, this goes way deeper than I thought it was. Yeah. I mean, that, that's been my, like, I, I joked around at the beginning saying you came into this with more knowledge than I'll ever have. And that wasn't actually a joke. That's true. Uh, you, you know, a lot more about human anatomy and you know, a lot about just the depth of your knowledge is extreme. Um, I came into this with nothing. I came into CrossFit as a voice and musical theater major, you know, like <laughs> I sung and danced like a, the learning the sports and exercise science of it was something that I picked up along the way. And what's been interesting in my own evolution, because I've been in it for 20 years, is that the harder I lean on this information, the deeper it goes. Because most communities that I've been a part of and most you know doctrines that I look to follow, because like I'm questioning by nature, I think that's part of what makes life fun is to like, to lean on stuff and to be like, well, why? And like go a little deeper and push. A lot of things are only like one layer deep, maybe two layers deep, and then it just falls apart and there's nothing there. And it's been fascinating for me to like lean on CrossFit and the harder I lean in and the deeper I go. And even when I pick apart little things that are like nuancey, it's like, no, they're like that for a reason. And they've been like that for a reason since 2000, you know, and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, like, right. it, and, I, and I think the more we can get higher level educated people like doctors and whatnot in seeing some of this depth, like the, the better off we are. I, I've taught one MDL one. And right. I, I, and I, and I loved it because I was expecting these guys to have some like chip on their shoulder 
And, and they came in and they were all kind of staunch and like they were doctors and there was like 40 of them, but man, like they're, I forgot that they're lifelong students. Like they're people who spent 30 years in school. So like they know how to take a class. So they sit down, they're super attentive. They're right there. And they ask questions that are like, if, if it's not covered in the material, they'll ask a poignant question and then you give them an answer and they're like, Oh, okay. And then you move on. <laughs> like it's, it was one of my favorite gigs to teach because of that. It wasn't like someone trying to ego me into giving them their answer. It was literally like them just very attentive and be like, okay, I get it. That makes sense. And that's the, I think the higher level of education you come in with when you listen to the level one, not like tangential stuff, but when you come to a level one, I've yet to have somebody be like, nah, <laughs> like it's never happened. You know, and I think the other part of that too is like they come in with a high level of education, but I also think, the only way you can be a good healthcare provider is to, you got to know what you know, but you also have to know what you don't know. Right. And, and the reality is a physician doesn't come in with a lot of exercise science knowledge. They don't come in with a lot of nutrition knowledge, right? They have the basic physiology, the, and then, and then if you're a specialist, like if you're a cardiologist, right, you've forgotten most of the musculoskeletal stuff that you knew that you had to learn in medical school because it doesn't apply as a cardiologist per se, right? And so I think, you know, again, to be a good clinician, you have to be open and say, hey, this is not my area of expertise. I have a question about it. And if you can answer that question, sweet, thank you, let's move on, right? And we, it's funny because when we were first started doing these new healthcare provider level ones, we sort of, we had this little like Zoom meeting and we were talking about like, hey, be prepared for really challenging questions and a lot of pushback and there's been zero, like right. zero pushback, zero, you know, like, oh, they're trying to stump us. It's, it's, it's been a great experience. Agreed. Um, well, I'll sidestep again. Uh, <laughs> in the title of this episode, it says CrossFit, which I think we talked about. And then bit. it says, it, like, it was the three C's here. It said CrossFit, Carnivore, and Choices. Cody, what is Choices? Uh, well, like I was scrolling through uh, Dan's Instagram, right? Like I was just, you know, getting like, getting a little little glimpse. And I, uh, I love the picture you chose, by the way. Who he is? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, I wanted to see like you know what he's about, what he what he does. Um, a lot of endurance stuff in there. I've seen some meat, right? Like a big tomahawk <laughs> steak or something. I've seen an ice bath photo, but I also seen some quotes in there about you know choosing what you know what you choose today impacts you know, your, your life tomorrow and the choices that you make, you know, we can relate that into health as well. Right. Like, and, and what that looks like for everybody. Um, one, another thing that I seen was a picture of a, a class of yours and it was actually the background of the photo I used today for the thumbnail. And I think you said like the average age in this class is like 70 years old. Right. right. And again, that's, that's a choice. That's a choice by those individuals to sh continue to keep showing up for their health every day. And that's kind of the, the overarching thing, theme of this whole thing is CrossFit, health, and all the things that we've talked about already here today and continue to choose that day after day. Okay. So I'll change that into a question and I'll say, uh, <laughs> Dan, how can we provide it? Like as coaches, what can we do to make people's choices easier to come to the gym? Or what can we do to make it so they choose things that are more difficult maybe? Um, what, what type of a thing can we put out in our own spaces that 
make those kinds of choices more acceptable and more often for people? Um, that's a good question. So I, you know, I think one is being willing to talk about the fact that it is a choice, right? And that most people won't choose that, right? And so I think it's embracing that idea that you're choosing to do something that most people won't do. So this past weekend, I was in uh, Kansas, the middle of nowhere, Kansas, Emporia, Kansas, uh, supporting a friend of mine who's doing a hundred mile gravel bike race. And it's, it's hot, it's muddy, it's humid, you know, and there's sort of like this, we were having this conversation, but like, why do we, why do we do this stuff? Like, why do we choose to do these ridiculously hard things that in the moment you're thinking, this is so awful. Why do I pay good money to sign up for a race, to travel, spend all that time training? And there is definitely a part of, at least for me, and, and my friend admitted this as well, there, there is something about being the type of person that says, I choose to do these things. I choose to do these things that, you know, 90 plus percent of the, of the population won't do. And I choose to do these things because I know that they're the right thing to do. And so I think it's one is being open and willing to talk to people about everything. We, you know, we, we have choices in everything we do, right? Uh, I, was, I was teaching a, a, a course to some army folks and I was talking about nutrition. And, you know, I was like, I understand that you don't always get to choose when, where, what, and how much you eat, but everything you put in your mouth is a choice. Like no one's forcing you to put that food in your mouth. Everything you put in there is a choice. So everything that we do is a choice. And so um, what we do is we highlight things that people do that they don't have to do, right? So if they're doing some sort of crazy event outside the gym, that was a choice. If they're doing something in the in the gym that was harder than they've ever done before or they're PRing, like it was a choice for them to push that hard. And yeah. and I think we just have to remind people of that. So that, that, that's that's part of it. And I like um, you know, I, yeah, I think that's a big part of it. I think what, I mean, basically what you're saying is pe making people aware of the choices that they're making, bringing presence to like, to what's going on. And yeah. for you in the gym, you highlight that and you highlight those like, Hey, that's awesome that you chose that. Or that's like, that's cool. I, I love that. I mean, it's, it's bringing, I think awareness is a huge thing for, uh, <laughs> for, for much of growth is, is, is that like, I mean, I, things you're not aware of, you can't change and things you're not aware of, like you can't grow from and, and like creating a space that you're constantly made aware of the difficult things that you're choosing to do and that, that it's a choice. It's huge. That's awesome. So I think we can carry that forward as coaches. I think on another level too, is so I think it's, you know, people will see that like, yes, I get it. You choose to exercise or you choose to not exercise. Um, but there are other things where we maybe less consciously make choices and, uh, um, I use my, I use my dad as an example of this. And I think a lot of people can think back to uh, family members or friends that they have that aren't in the best health. Uh, and they'll often, you know, they'll often think back to like, well, you know, it's, it's my lot in life. It's like my, my dad had heart disease, his dad had heart disease, whatever. It's just, it's just who we are. And, and I think people don't recognize that uh, the choices that you make along the way, have a bigger impact on your lot in life than the things you couldn't choose like your parents. Right. And so, right. Uh, you know, one of the, the things I always remind people is like, 
you know, I, I don't know where I came up with this analogy, but it's like, I feel like sometimes there are folks who just think that they're the passenger on the bus. Like I'm just sitting on the bus and I'm going to go wherever the bus takes me. And you actually have the choice to walk up and, and tap the bus driver on the shoulder and be like, Hey, get the hell out of the way. Let me drive this thing. I'm going to drive this bus to where I want to go. Right. And the mm -hmm. choices you make along the way, whether that's, you know, nutritionally, whether that's from a fitness perspective, whether that's, you know, dealing with mental health things, like there are choices that you can make along the way that will, that will help get you closer to your destination versus just sitting there and just seeing where the hell you end up. Yeah. I think one, one thing I would just add to that is that some choices are more difficult than others. And even oh, the same sure. choice and, sure. and even, even the same choice for different people is a more difficult decision or a difficult choice. I would say for sure. that we have to just realize that, yeah, we all have choices, but sometimes those are more difficult, just straight up for, for a certain yeah. person who has to make Absolutely. them. <laughs> Absolutely. Sort of, uh, this kind of reminds me like, you know, that one of my pet peeves is the, uh, I don't see this as much anymore, but you used to see the whole, like, what's your excuse memes, you know, yeah. like you'd be yeah. some, some fitness influencer who just had a baby and is yeah. like, I'm three weeks out and look at my six pack abs. What's your You're excuse? Like, and, and I always feel uh, like, yeah. uh, <laughs> Lot, yeah. potentially lots of excuses right so i'm certainly not saying <laughs> yeah. That, like yeah you know I'm, I'm certainly not trying to like do the blame game and say no no no, no. you didn't know, sound like it, you were just recognize that like you can take even if it's the smallest step like make the totally. choice to take the smallest step possible that takes you one step closer to your desired end state yeah. instead of just sitting there going that there's this end state that i want to get to but i can't i can't i can't get there i don't know how to get there like yeah. I mean, I shouldn't say that because a lot of people don't know how to get there, but like take a step, choose yeah. to take a step. Right. Yeah. I agree. I, I wholeheartedly agree with everything you said. Um, I find, I find my, myself having to come to like literally facing choices where like, I'll do something. And I'll be like, right now, I yeah. really just, I could not and shit, you know, yes. like, and sometimes you win and sometimes you don't. And it's like, okay, whatever. Next time. When I make the wrong choice frequently, <laughs> right? I'm yeah. never going to stop making the wrong choice. But I, you know, and that's another part of it is recognizing that you've made, you made a decision, right? You, you chose poorly. Now, what can you learn from that and how can you choose better next time? Yeah. The, uh, the, the thing that I've heard is in every situation, it's where you have to make a choice. You're either going to take a step forward or you're going to take a step back because even if you take no step, that's an opportunity cost where you could have taken a step forward. Yeah, I would agree with that. Well, well we got about five minutes left in uh, this thing, and I do have um, a couple of like just let's say random questions that I threw in here uh, sure. that I want to ask you, uh, Dan. Being classically trained as a PT and knowing that typically the education system, like you already hit on it, like a lot of doctors come in with little to no knowledge in one aspect of, of study. And if the more specialized they get, you know, they forget some things, but being classically trained as a PT, do you find that there's anything that's missing inside of that field of study? Um, and you know, something that's like lagging behind. You're trying, to get me into trouble. You're trying to get me into trouble here with my uh, physical therapy colleagues, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, of course, there's there's stuff missing because it's only, you know, three years of education that covers a really broad spectrum of things from like, you know, like 
things I didn't even know the physical therapists did when I got, went to physical therapy school. Like I didn't know wound care was a thing that physical therapists did. And so we're, you know, I went, I went into it with the sports medicine background. That's all I thought we did. Uh, so there's a, there's a really broad spectrum of things that you have to cover in physical therapy school. So you can't, you can't cover it all. Um, but I think one of the, one of the most eye-opening things for me was that, you know, physical therapists will often say that, you know, we're the movement specialists. But when you, when you ask them about, especially coming right out of physical therapy school, if they don't have some sort of exercise science, not even exercise science, if they don't have some sort of fitness, strength and conditioning, CrossFit background, they know a lot about physical therapy movements, but not necessarily about movements in the wild, let's say, right? Functional exercises, things like that. And so um, the biggest, you know, my, my biggest um, recommendation would be for physical therapists would be, be open to learning about actual fitness. Cause that was, that was, I thought I knew, right. I thought I knew until I read this, what is fitness thing? Uh, I thought I knew something about fitness until I got slapped in the face with this idea of like, you don't really know that much about actual movement. And so I, I think that's a, that's a space where we need to um, expand a bit. Uh, I also think that, um, learning to turn up the intensity a little bit, even in, in just rehab uh, is an important factor. I think we, uh, we play it safe a little bit too much in rehab. And uh, I think we could, we could do a little bit more for folks if we turned up the intensity a bit. Uh, <laughs> Philip Kelly told, told, said uh, her, his PT hates working out and never told him. Oh and never, that's a bummer, man. Uh, well, but, you know, I mean, I've seen it. I, I know lots of, I know lots of physical therapists who haven't worked out since the last time they were forced to work out probably in high school PE class. Jeez. Uh, can I flip that question on its head and just say, what do you think from your PT background you're we're lacking in our space um, that you'd like to see more of? Um, what is it? What is something that's been done in, over there that you'd like to see a little bit more of over here? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, as the person who doesn't have the background, I'd sure love to know. <laughs> yeah. you know I, I, so, um, well, I mean, one of the things that, that I came into it with was the ability to sort of, you know, I, I sort of was just critical, like we're not the movement specialist, but one of the things that, that I definitely learned in physical therapy school uh, and in my athletic training background was to watch people move and, and sort of break down that movement. And I think a lot of times, and you might be able to, to relate to this, uh, Pat, like, at the level two, when we're watching someone coach and teach movement, you can tell, like you can just watch their eyeballs and they're just like, they're looking all over the place. Like they don't have a directed focus and vision on the movement that they're actually watching. And so that was, you know, certainly something we were taught in physical therapy school is like, Hey, you know, we need to watch the action at the hip. We need to watch it, watch the action at the knee and understanding what the hip and, and knee do. Right. Um, again, you don't, I don't think you have to have, you know, graduate level training in, in biomechanics or anything like that, but just under like being able to like focus your vision and, and, you know, at level two is what I often talk to people about is like this forest and trees concept. Right. And so, yeah. you know, if I'm watching someone move, the first thing I want to do is take step back and get like the full field version vision. Like, let me look at the entire forest and see what trees need to be focused on. And then I'm going to laser beam in on, on the tree right? Like, okay, I look at the whole person, 
something was funky with the hip. So now I'm going to watch the hip. And then I step back again. I look at the whole thing. I'm like, nope, nope. It wasn't the hip. It was the knee. Nope, nope. It wasn't the knee. It was the ankle. Right. And so just being able to have that very, very focused vision. And that's definitely something that we, we learned a lot in in physical therapy school. I I think to encapsulate a little bit of what you're saying, I agree. It's, it's this ability almost to like, you don't have to know the why, but knowing the why helps you put things in context. So, so continuing to educate yourself, but even on a basic level, don't like oftentimes what I see and I I can, maybe it's what you're saying is people will coach a cue versus coaching a point of performance. So they look at the big picture and they, they hear a cue in their head that they've been told. And they're like, that person's not doing that cue must coach that cue. And oftentimes that's not wrong, but sometimes it can be. And the manifestation of that is like a person who's falling over backwards on their heel because all they hear is heel, 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 heel. And they don't have and they're coaching just that with a lack of full foot on the ground. So right. it's almost this like if we could bring a little bit a refocusing back to um, a refocusing back to like, what are we trying to have happen? And let me very be very specific with where I look to hit those points performance. And that's just any given movement that you're doing. You look at what those points are. And then go, ah, look close for that one. <laughs> and then then coach to seeing if if I can get that one thing to happen. Exactly. Look for that tree. <laughs> you know, yeah. oh, tree's not there. Step back to the bigger picture. Look back to another tree. Like I I agree with you. I think I would bring that on a on a basic level to more coaches earlier. Right. Yeah. And I try to at level ones, but it's <laughs> kind of like over people's yeah, heads. Yeah, the, the level one's sort of a tough environment for that. There's you know, it's such a sip from a fire hose kind of moment, right? Yeah. Well, we try. <laughs> Cody, you got anything else for us? Or I think we hit our, uh, Have has the internet exploded? What's going on? Uh-oh. Oh, you're muted, but I do appreciate your lips moving. Um. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I've got a mute on my mic. Um, That's cute. I got... Uh, one last question and we'll just keep it really short here, but you know, from an, from an endurance standpoint, I just threw this out there. I thought of it theoretically earlier, right? Let's say a gym offers 10 classes a day. What do you think about cutting it down to five, making every class two hours long? And we say, all right, we're training for 60 plus minutes now to capture that extremely long end of the duration, just like we would, if we were going to do, you know, something, you know, extremely short. Is there benefit to going long, long, or is the, that 40 minute, you know, basically about as long as you can fit into a one hour class enough to capture the benefit there? Okay. So is there a benefit to going long, long? Sure. We sort of have to define long, long, right? Like, like I said, I was at that bike race this weekend in Kansas. My friend was doing the hundred mile race. That was not the long, long, like <laughs> the big, the marquee race was 200 miles. And there were actually people there that were doing 350 miles, right? So we sort of have to define long, long. Uh, and, you know, if you look at CrossFit programming, they're certainly going to program the 15K run, which is nine miles, right? There's Clovis, which has 10 miles of running and 150 burpee pull-ups. That's an hour and a half if you're fairly fast, that workout. So is there is there a benefit to doing workouts that are going to take you hour and a half to two hours long? Absolutely. Does it make sense to structure your gym schedule so that you can do that five times a week? Absolutely not. 
but it but it certainly needs to happen on occasion. And I, you know, I think this is what we learned from from at least what I learned from my CrossFit endurance experience was that you can get a ton of endurance benefit from a 30, 40, 50 minute workout um, and not as frequently have to do the really long stuff. I think of it like, you know, most affiliates once a year, they're going to do Murph. Right. And that's a 60, it's a 60 plus minute workout for the average individual. Yeah. Right. Are we missing out by not doing it more times throughout the year? Right. Potentially. I mean, I think from a, from a fitness perspective, you're, yeah, certainly like doing it once a year probably isn't enough. Uh, I also think that from an affiliate perspective, you're missing out on a community opportunity if, you know, once a quarter, once every, you know, twice a year, you do something other than Murph, right? Pick something else to do that's long. I mean, you know, the funny thing is like, and we talk about, when we, when we talk about programming, the mistake people make is trying to lean toward what people want. And what people want are those really long, grindy workouts that from a programmer's perspective, don't make a lot of sense, right? Like I have done this, especially in my earlier days, like programmed a workout that I thought was going to be a nice, sweet workout. And it takes them 45 minutes to do. And I'm thinking, well, that was a huge mistake. And what does everyone say when they're finished? That was awesome. I love that because they love the big grindy sweat fests. And so I think you're missing out on a community opportunity if you don't do that a couple of times a year, but it's also a fitness opportunity for not doing it every once in a while as well. All right. Well, you heard it's not a well that you have to go to all the time, especially for the, for the average fitness enthusiast, right? If you're trying to become, you know, if you want to do well in endurance sports, you've got to go long more often than those who aren't. But if you're just the average, you know, I just want to be fitter for as long as I possibly can be, then it's not something, it's not a well you have to go to all the time. I'd be curious too, like if if anybody's watching this after the live is over and is posted, if you, if you have something that you do at your gym regularly, that's not Murph, that's something that's different, that's, you know, a community builder. It's, it's one of those longer workouts like that, like drop it in the comments. I'm just curious to see what, what people do out there. Um, I've been to a few affiliates that have like their own, their own benchmarks that are like, Hey, we're, we're, we're going to do one class on a Saturday. It's going to be 9am and it's undefined, you know, end time. It's whenever we're finished. And um, I live in a, in, in Huntsville, Alabama, and we've got um, a mountain, right. Called Montesano. And one of the, one of the workouts was we're going to meet up here and we're just dragging things up and down this mountain for, for the entirety of whatever the trail was. You know, and of course, like we don't have 50 people that show up, but maybe we have 20 or 25 people. And it's a really cool, you know, thing to get out of the gym, do something that's different, but is also in that longer time frame. Absolutely. And there's value in that for sure. Pat, I've got a, I've got nothing else. Same. Dan. I don't know. (laughs) I feel pretty good. I appreciate it. Um, I appreciate both of you guys being on. And one last time for our sponsors. And if you didn't know, we are a f- big fans of ourselves, <laughs> right? We we often say that you know our favorite sponsor is best hour of their day. Ackerman's right. pretty humble, though. You mean you mean you mean your main sponsor? Because your favorite our- sponsor, O2. Oh, <laughs> our favorite sponsor is definitely O2. Um, and again, if you want to check that out, you can um, 
go to the link. I will pin that in the comments. Um, it is buy three 24 packs. You get two free. You get a free fridge. You get a Yeti Rambler. Um, a lot of cool stuff that's going on there. And there's some other stuff that's on that webpage too. Again, I'll put it in the comments here. But right now, um, Best Hour has got something going on too for uh, Affiliate University, which is um, you know our business coaching platform where we want to get affiliates in there and um, help them solve all the world's problems. Right now, what we've got going is a super killer offer. You enroll in Affiliate University and Best Hour sponsors admission to a coaching credential of your choice, a coaching certificate course, right? Could be the level one, level two, level three. Maybe you're going for your level four um, and some of the other stuff in there as well. Um, we will give that to the affiliate owner and it's up to the affiliate owner what they want to do with it, right? You can use it yourself. You can pass it along to somebody that's deserving on your team to help level up um, your, your staff too. So uh, I'm just going to share my screen really fast here. You go to affiliateuniversity.com or um, sorry, besthourofthedaycom slash affiliate university. You scroll down to the bottom right here. You can book a time to um, talk to a coach and, um, you know, just see if it's going to be a good fit for you and your, affi your affiliate. Those are booking up super fast. I posted about this like three days ago and I think like three weeks worth of time slots were gone immediately, like within 12 hours. So if you're watching this affiliate owner, if you're a coach, pass it along to your affiliate owner, but definitely go check that stuff out. Um, that is a killer offer that is limited. Um, we're not going to do that forever. We're just doing it right now. Um, so check it out. Pat, you got anything? Nope. Just thank Dan for coming on and being so amazing and smart. Dude. <laughs> I so appreciate smart. you guys having me. Yeah. Heck yeah. Next time I'll, I'll, I'll try to find a better photo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Um, we'll see you guys uh, tomorrow for the progression. We're going to have Sam O'Connor on. He is getting ready for his level four, which I think is coming up in like two weeks. This is like a last, last minute. Um, give me all the feedback you got before he goes to uh, sit for his level four. Or I guess Am stand. I doing that and, one? I was going to say, there's no sitting. There's no there's sitting. No sitting. <laughs> <laughs> I am um, doing I, that one, aren't I? You are. Yeah. So Pat's going to be there on there is. for Sam O'Connor. So we'll cool. see you guys tomorrow. That is 3.30 Eastern. Dan, awesome. Pat. Good luck, Sam. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, thank you.